Welcome to the Marigold Effect Podcast. When you listen to this podcast, we hope you feel hopeful and encouraged. We hope you feel challenged to learn and grow. We hope you feel connected. We hope we make you laugh. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. I'm Katie Borbina. I'm Michelle Williamson, and this is the Marigold Effect Podcast. Hi, Katie. Hi, Michelle. So, episode three, can you believe it? Here we are. Here we are. I can't. (laughs) And there's some big news that you need to tell people. What big news (laughs) is that? You are a Jeep Wrangler owner. (laughs) I am. I'm so excited. (laughs) So, and there'll be a picture of Katie Katie and I in her new Jeep Wrangler because she took us a drive with our... With our staff photographer now, which is Deanne Jett, we've hired her because she did a really good job. She I, did. She, she took great pics. She did great pics. She makes us look good, so she is hired. So I thought maybe we should probably let you know that there online there is a Jeep Wave calculator for you to determine who waves first when you oh. see another. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting the whole Jeep Wave thing down right now. It's been like, I have studied it a little bit, but I haven't seen this calculator. Yeah, I kind of did it for you just because I thought I would just sort of give you the, okay. the outcome. Yeah. So you're like minus 36. Uh oh. <laughs> so what they basically say to you is uh, yeah, you drive a Jeep, but you're just driving it to and from work, and like you're, you're just um, an SUV owner. It was kind of critical. I felt, I felt. Like it was oh. a little harsh, don't you think? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not just driving it to and from work, though. We have big plans for our Jeep. Like we're we're definitely going off road in the near future. Okay. Well, yeah. so the the other thing I saw was, and it was just to give you the four steps, is that you always wave to a Jeep of your same model, like. You know, you know. Okay. I drive a Jeep too. You and I should not wave because I don't drive a Wrangler. You don't I, have a Wrangler. I do not. Yeah. I have a Grand Cherokee, which what adults drive. Anyway, <laughs> so you know, we're not going to wave to each other. Adults uh, and boring people. Whatever. I'm comfortable. Um, <laughs> and you can use whatever wave you want, though the peace sign seems to be the one that really, you know, goes is the one that people use. That's um, what I'm noticing. There's yeah. definitely a code here. Like at first I was giving a really big, hearty, happy wave and yeah. that didn't seem to go over so well. It was kind of rejected. Yeah, so. they probably avoided eye contact with you like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> and I never wave first. That's the other thing. Well, like I wait now. You might that might be correct because the person who waves first, I think, is the the like later models. They have, they initiate the wave because, you know, they have hierarchy. So. Got it. Yeah. So you might, I mean, it's true. Maybe you shouldn't wave first. So. Yeah. I wait just in case I don't want to be awkward and wave and not have someone wave back. So. Right. But yeah, I'm getting the peace, like a peace sign at the steering wheel is kind of what I've been doing. Now, the tricky part is when my husband drives, he won't do it. Uh. So I'm trying to peace sign from the passenger seat. (laughs) And I don't think that works. I don't think that's acceptable. No, no. (laughs) And it clearly says the Wrangler people do not have to wave to what they call as the poser jeeps. Like the, mm-hmm. yeah, like the compass and the Grand Cherokee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I don't see. even look their way. Yeah. I, yeah. 
God. Anyway, so if you have any tips for Katie um, on how to be a Jeep Wrangler with good etiquette, please let us know. Feel free to give us those comments. I'll take Um, them. I need them. Yes. Yes. And... If you could see Katie right now, you would see why I question her being a Jeep Wrangler, because I don't even see her, but I think she has a scarf around her head in her closet because her earbuds keep falling out. That's right. Tied it right around my ears. It's super cute. Yeah. In my little closet here with my scarf around my head. That's how I podcast. I'm hoping one day I find her in her Jeep Wrangler with her scarf around her head, just flowing in the wind. Right. Very soon, you might. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the other thing is, man, we are in day two. Day Mm. two. Now, this is a Brene Mm -hmm. Brown term, so sometimes I feel like I'm Michelle explaining Brene Brown podcasts, so I apologize. Mm But uh, I did listen to her podcast, and she talked about that this is sort of day two, and I would would agree. It's like the middle part of this process you're in, and... This is where you feel like the struggle is kind of real. And I don't know about you, but these past two weeks, I've like, I've been struggling um, in a very, I don't know how I'll describe it, just like this low level, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> low level grumpiness for me. Like yeah. I've just been irritable. I think we're in what I've heard described as like a liminal space right now too, where like we're back and we're doing some of the things that we've done in the past. But the, it's everything's just a little or a lot different, and it's it feels sort of off some days. Like, wh- what am I doing? Why why this doesn't feel right or um, as it should? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, just sort of to other folks, if you're feeling that, it makes sense. It's going to be a process for the next few months as we do. But if you get a chance, you should listen to that episode because I liked it. I think it explained really well about what happens um, when Mm -hmm. you're, you know, in day two. The other thing is last episode, we talked about the inner judge, um, sort of how it shows up, what it says. And this episode, we wanted to continue that discussion, but um, talk about how to disengage with your self-critic or your or your inner judge. And the the why for that is in October, we're going to be starting discussions around uh, racial equity in our programs and um, one of the reasons that we feel it's important to talk about the inner critic is if if we can't challenge our own filters which a lot of our many of the ways we experience things is through our through our inner critic sometimes so it's one of our filters and that if we can't challenge that filter then I don't think we can see and hear others as well and as white people we struggle a lot with how we can simultaneously be good people, but yet participate in racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- that's sort of why I think it's important. Yeah, so I think um, when I think about that inner critic, that inner judge, I, I did some work. Um, I have a meditation app called Simple Habit, and um, I listened to the series on Taming the Inner Critic, it was called, um, and really thinking about how that inner judge is ultimately there to protect us, and the intent is good, like we talked about last time, but the method isn't. So by acknowledging that voice, maybe we can shift it into something that's a little kinder kinder and more gentle. 
So I've been thinking about when I hear that asking, like, what do you need to the voice? What are you afraid of? Uh, what are you trying to do for me? Um, what do you long for? So really engaging that part of ourselves and trying to shift it into something that could be more helpful, because I agree with you that the whole idea of making peace with our inner critic is really connected um, to our ability to love ourselves, which is really connected to our ability to love others who yes. are different from ourselves. So I listened to um, a podcast by yeah. Renee, our favorite, um, and she had Sonia Renee Taylor on, um, who is a poet and an author. I'm reading her book now, The, po- the Body is Not an Apology. Um, but so she has really helped shift my thinking about, like, I, I hate even the sound of self-love when I say yeah. that. It sounds like, ugh. Um, but I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with it. But um, how self-love is really an act of social justice. Um, if we're not loving ourselves, how can we be in a place where we're better able to love our neighbors and our community? Um, and so I really appreciate what she said about that and about um, self-acceptance versus self, self-love. So, um, so like, do you want to be accepted or do you want to be loved? Like love is this richer, sort of warmer um, kind of feeling. When you think about accepting someone who's different from yourself, it almost implies that you're yeah. tolerating them. You're dealing with them um, and with yourself. So um, I love her ideas and I'm really studying that myself right now because I agree this ultimately is what helps us to confront our own biases and our own issues related to racial yeah, equity. I would totally agree. Totally agree. And I, you and I have talked about this like years ago. James Baldwin wrote an essay about this about this during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. that until people were able mm-hmm. to love themselves, this this issue of racial inequity was not going to go away. So I totally agree with that. I also think mm-hmm. sometimes asking the inner critic a question of you know what what are you protecting me of from. You know, because a lot of times mm-hmm. our inner mm-hmm. critic is trying to protect us from something, fear, uh, risk. Um, and so you're right. It's sort of figuring out what, you know, how to sort of figure out what they're trying to protect us from. And, and it may allow us to see things differently. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, it changes, changes the game. The game. Um, and also yeah. for us to like last time we talked about the inner judge and inner critic being a being this voice that we would hear in our head and i also want to put out there that sometimes those messages are are not conscious and so one of the things that i have learned to hear also to sort of know that the judge is there um is that there may be these cognitive um manifestations or thoughts like um one of the ways that the inner judge may be coming up is if you're having these thoughts that you're convinced that that things are not being done right around you. Um, it just reminds me of an mm-hmm. an old George Carlin joke that everyone that drives faster than mm-hmm. you is an idiot, and everyone that drives you know mm-hmm. slower than you is in, an a hole. So it's like right? it doesn't matter. Everyone <laughs> like no one is doing it right around me. Um, is often a sign that the inner judge is there. But also, you know, we question whether people have the capacity or motivation to do what needs to be done. Like, we just don't trust our coworkers and we don't trust our admin or our families. Like, mm-hmm. you just don't have the motivation. And, it, and it's, if that's a constant thought, it's a sign that the inner critic is 
is sort of there. Also, distrusting people's motives. And you know, so you and I were talking the other day about Glennon Doyle's book, uh, Untamed, which is, yeah, okay, so everyone yes. is, re- yes, and what Love did it. I say to you? I am, I'm su- I suspect Dennis Glennon Doyle. <laughs> I just, I yeah, do, I distrust her motives, yeah. and that um, is sort of more about my inner critic that I have to explore, but yeah, there's just like, eh, I don't know about you. There's something suspect about you. Um, and hope to God she never listens to this mm. podcast because mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, <laughs> be inter- I bet I she know, would invite I you would on her own podcast Ugh. if okay. she did. And then also if you have this intense need to defend yourself is often a sign that the inner critic is there. Um, or, the, and this is, an, <laughs> this is my favorite, that, because I do it a lot. You have the stubborn need to make a point. Like, or to correct details. Mm. Like, I'm just going to correct a mm-hmm. detail here because you did that wrong. Um, or the belief, which is my other one, you have to do it yourself because other people just can't get it done right. Um, we often yeah. believe these are just valid points. You know, and maybe they are, but they can also be a sign that something else is there, too. Um, so yeah. the other thing about that as far as racial equity is... I can remember being in a nonprofit where we had uh, trainers come in to talk about race. And I can remember some of my thoughts resembled this list I just gave. Um, that I can remember thinking that the staff I worked with who were, um, who were of color would talk about things that happened in the agency. And I would sort of distrust their motives. Like I always think you're just trying to start something because you know we are good people, things are going well. And that is how your inner judge can get in the way of you hearing and seeing people and their experiences. Mm. Because I'm taking their experiences mm-hmm. and I'm putting it through my filter, which is my judge. And I think that was a way to protect me from actually hearing that in our agency, we were in fact, um, discriminate. We were being. We had discriminatory practices in our in our. Um, and I participated mm-hmm. in those, and so I didn't want to hear mm-hmm. that. Unaware, unaware, and I did not want them, to hear that. Yeah. That is painful. It is painful. So my inner judge was about yeah. like, ah, oh, there's something up with you folks. You know, like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Yeah. And so that's why. I th- Go ahead. And if we can, yeah, say, if we can quiet, um, you know, our inner judge enough yes. or acknowledge it, um, you know, we can get yes. more curious, I think, about some of those things. And when we hear those types of things from colleagues or families, we can really question it rather than immediately be defensive right. about it. And I think the other thing, um, oh, the woman's name, Tarana, Tarana Burke, I think, um, also said, if you can't mm-hmm. hear me, you can't see me. Um, and so I think that is mm. also something to keep in mind when we're working with this is to be open, curious, because if if we're not, we can't hear people. And if we can't hear them, we're definitely not going to we're not going to see them. So um, for sure. So anyway, I just I hope that's helpful to people to think about as we start to go into what I think will be more difficult conversations, conversations that will make us uncomfortable, um, that will require us to stop and examine our experiences, our beliefs, our values. Um, But it is definitely, uh, as you said, Katie, it's rewarding. Um, It it Mm -hmm. will be, I think, 
a way for us to move forward in our department. Um, so anyway. I guess just one other idea, I think, related as we start to do um, more of this work together that, um, again, is in Sonia Renee Taylor's book that I've been thinking about a lot is um, how we thinking about how we strive for this sameness and this oneness as humans. Like there's this ideal that we're all reaching for this perfect human that um, the way that we look and the way that we act and the success that we achieve, but how different um, that is when we think about um, diversity in nature and how we love diversity. Um, you know, if we, if we were in a, the forest, we would be really bored if all of the trees looked the same. Um, we love diversity in flowers and animals, and we need that variance um, in order to grow. Like, but that we have somewhere along the way lost that in terms of our humanity. So I've been thinking about that a lot, and um, how can we break that down, that um, striving for that oneness and listening to those um, sort of toxic messages that we have through media and sort of fasting from some of those things when we need to, um, those things that tell us who we should be. Um, so that's sort of on my mind as we take this journey to is, is celebrating and looking at how different we are and how wonderful that is and how we need that diversity within our programs and within our schools um, in order to, to make us better. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode. Um, the opening theme was composed and performed by Chloe Barbina. And I needed absolutely no help from... Woohoo! I know, right? Right. Look at you. So, I know. I know. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, though, though I clearly think she thinks she does help me. But anyway. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for definitely a... Marigoldism from me and the playlist from Katie. Until then, take care of everyone. We'll see you later. Have a great week. Bye. Bye bye. One of the things our self critic does is it starts to make up a story about our experiences. And this is a quote from Brene Brown that I always found helpful to keep in mind when I start to notice those stories. Brene says, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. This episode's playlist is called Little Voice. We've talked a lot over the past couple of episodes about recognizing our inner critic and hearing that voice and how we can shift it to being a kinder, more gentle voice. And so I hope all of you will enjoy listening to my song dedication for you for this episode, Little Voice by Sarah Bareilles. Until next time, be a marigold. It's everything I am and what I'm not and all I'm trying to be. This is the part where I spit it all out and you decide what you think of me. Trying to be complicated I'm never waiting to get the last laugh But I've been handing out benefits of the doubt And I'd like a little bit back It's just a little voice And if you're listening Sometimes a 